Hello and welcome to episode 345 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we're here to discuss the same game that we were on about last week, Live Alive, uh, specifically the recent Switch remake of Live Alive, and we're bringing back the same two panelists as last week as well, starting with Tom Cox. Hi there. And Wes Isla. Hey, everybody. Wes and Tom. Uh, I was able to finish this game in time for the podcast. I, I know I say that at the beginning of every uh, part two of a game journal episode because I, I have to establish <laughs> like how much I can safely talk about or at least talk about with some level of experience or expertise. But uh, we all managed to finish, the, finish this one well in advance because um, I don't know if we mentioned this last episode, but this is a slightly brisk game. I like I spent a lot of time doing everything I could in the final chapter. And I was still right at 25 hours total. So, like, I, I know 25 hours is a lot of time to do anything. But when, you know, the three of us have all played 100-hour-plus JRPGs in the past, um, I, I this game does, does not waste its time and uh, is, you know, in and out in under 30 hours. Was that your experience as well? Yeah, I think I clocked in around 25, 26 hours. And I was I was surprised at the the final chapter just kind of grabbed me in. I ended up just staying up late one night because it was eleven o'clock. I was close enough to beating it and just flew by. I, the final chapter, which we will talk about soon, uh, is is pretty uh, significant. I think it was maybe like a full quarter of the game, like maybe say six of my twenty four hours. But uh, let's. Uh, go back a little bit before we get there. Uh, in the previous episode, I mentioned I did four of the chapters. Uh, I did, uh, let's see, uh, Imperial China, Present Day, Near Future, and Prehistory. Um, not not exactly in that order. Uh, and I did the three uh, remaining ones, which we talked about a little bit, as well as the rest of the game. And just uh, quick and dirty summaries of those. Um, I thought Far Future was lovely. I wish there was a little bit less just walking back and and forth, but the uh, but the vibe of it and how adorable Cube is, uh, it was uh, excellent. I loved it a lot. Uh, um, Wild West, I think, was I is maybe the one chapter in the whole game I thought was too short. It uh, it, it like I wish it was twice as long because I I really liked the character of Sun of Sundown and the townspeople, and uh, it was basically just one side quest dis- disguised as a whole chapter. But I, I liked it a whole lot. Um, I, I would have liked that for that one to be longer. And the last one I didn't go over was why can't I think of it? Oh, it was a, it was um a fall of it was fall of Japan. It was a yeah, Oda, was yeah yeah Oboromaru. Um, yeah yeah yes Oboromaru. And um that one was also great. It was um in terms of nonlinear design, it might have been the best chapter. Uh, I, I I don't I, I don't think I liked the narrative in it as much as some of the other ones, but uh, it was a lot of fun ninja action, and Oboromaru has a lot of cool moves and is one of the more fun characters to control in the game. So, uh, yeah, uh, just thumbs up for all of the chapters I didn't get to in uh, at before recording the previous episode. But um, those seven are behind us. We've done this the chapters of the seven main characters at this point, but there's an eighth chapter with an eighth main character. And that is, uh, the middle ages and our friend Orsted. Uh, so, Oh, um, whoever wants to go first, what were your impressions of the middle ages chapter? Uh, the sort of the chapter eight of live alive. I actually, I think it was one of the, the stronger, the stronger chapters, to be honest. I think, uh, like aesthetically it was, it would look great. You know, I, I think, 
the character, like Orsted, kind of reminded me a, a little bit of Golden Sun almost, and it was kind of like, oh man, they could really remake a Golden Sun in, in this engine. But I think just the um, the whole premise of like, you know, he was uh, him, well, it was him versus his uh, like his his friend, the wizard, and they had that tournament where they basically had to uh, whoever won won the right to to marry the the princess. Yeah, um, and then the, she gets the... kidnapped. The wizard friend is Strabo or Strabao, and the princess is Alethea. Yes. Or yes. or Alethea, maybe. Yeah, and then all kicks off from there. She gets kidnapped, basically. Um, and then sort of set off on sort of a journey. So you come across, um, is it Hash that night? Is it that night, yeah. Hash? Hash? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and Uranus. The, yeah. And then you have to basically take on the uh, the Lord of Dark. Right. Uh, this um, chapter felt like a very condensed version of a Dragon Quest game. Yes. Like uh, uh, at, at least at the outset, it, it it takes a turn at one point. But but yeah, you have like hero swordsman with a mage friend. Uh, there's a there's a dark lord threatening the kingdom. The dark lord is a no- is a known quantity, and uh, you you sort of recruit allies, find the 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 sacred sword, and then go- challenge the dark lord at their castle. Yeah, I was kind of impressed because all every uh, chapter in this game feels like its own little mini game, like full size game condensed into, you know, an hour or two. Um, but this one especially felt like a love letter to, you know, traditional JRPGs, the contemporaries of the time that like you got to take place in a fantasy setting. You got to have um, these kind of character archetypes. Uh, and it and it feels like it's playing it straight for for half of your playtime before things really turn around on you and it feels like okay yeah this is what i'm expecting out of live alive you know it's 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 taken those tropes and always taken you know more interesting turns over time and this one certainly feels like that yeah it 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 feels like a very normal jrpg of the stripe that we've been talking about until around the midpoint uh eventually your party of ersted strabo hash and uranus um, goes to the uh, I think it's called the Archon's Rest. Uh, it, you, they they challenge the dark the the Dark Lord or Lord of Dark at their lair. Um, they fight a bunch of demons and then at after they defeat a dark apparition, um, the the princess is nowhere to be found. But uh, uh, Hash, who was who was like resisting going back into service, he like be uh, Hash was so. Um, offended uh by the by how he was sort of rejected from society after uh his hero's work was done that he's been living like a hermit in a in in a cabin in the mountains for years um but but he's also somewhat out of shape so even though he was your strongest party member by far in that first half uh towards the end uh after you defeat the the demon at the top of the uh tower uh he's he's bleeding out the mouth and uh and dying from uh like from his overexertion. So so Hash passes away. And then while Uranus, Strabo, and Ersted are escaping the, the tower, uh, uh, Strabo gets caught in uh, in the, the tower's uh, crumbling. So like a uh, some falling rocks or something or, uh, or some similar cover a door and he's trapped. And uh, so Uranus and Ersted do make it out, but uh, without Alethea, and with two of their party members gone. And so there's a bit of a, a, a sad moment when you return to the castle and, but, but the, the King and the minister and everybody welcomes you. Um, although they are disappointed that Alethea is uh, still, uh, still missing. 
and you go and uh, and have a well-deserved rest in a guest room of the castle. And then things get real dark. Uh, uh, should I just summarize the rest of the chapter? Yeah, I and, think this is a good yeah. point to dive right headfirst into the spoiler territory. Okay, yeah, this is the biggest spoiler that we're hitting uh, for this for these uh, for these live alive episodes yet. So buckle up. Um, Aristid wakes up in the middle of the night. He see because he sees this uh, shadow of Strabo, and you're like, "Is that Strabo's ghost? What, what's going on?" And so you go to the uh, you follow it to the king's throne room, and you see another dark apparition. It looks like the, the, that the dark lord's returned. So uh, Aristid attacks it, but then like. You know, the, the, the room fades around him and it's not a demon that he's slain. It's the king. And then uh, the minister uh, enters the room, immediately calls the guards and uh, the minister and several guards see you, Ersted, with sword drawn, blood on your hands, the king dead at your feet. It was, it was obviously some kind of trick or illusion, but, the, but you, won't, you, you cannot talk them out of that. Uh, Uranus uh, comes in at that point asking what the commotion was, sees what's happened. I think Uranus does understand what's going on basically immediately, but he can't really help you at the moment. Um, so Ersted flees. Uh, you fight some guards on the way out. You go to the little town where you were welcomed as a hero uh, earlier in, this, in the chapter, but uh, the people that were you know, that were celebrating you are now shunning you, obviously, and they're, and they're terrified of you. So Ersted sort of resigned to his fate, goes back to the castle, is thrown in the dungeon, and Uranus, like, pleads with him, tells him, you need to stay strong, you, you can you can still fix this if you save the, if you save Princess Alethea and, uh, and, and make things as right as you can. And then Uranus gives his, his life to help you, to help break you out of jail by using some magic to open your cell door. So you get out of there, you fight some more guards, go back to the uh, to the Archon's Rest, fight your way through the tower again, solo this time. And in the same room where Hash died, you find a secret passage. That uh, and it looked like that uh, that Strabo had um, had been examining that that uh, that mysterious block earlier, uh, before he got trapped in the room. And going through there, uh, you reach the real top of the tower, and who is there but Strabo himself? Like Strabo had been jealous and resentful of Ersted the whole time, especially because Erst, uh, Strabo was in love with Alethea, but Ersted just being the the strong, charismatic one won the tournament and earned her hand uh, while while Strabo was still sort of left holding the bag. Um, so Strabo, with the power of the Dark Lord, attacks you, you kill him, um, and then who comes up later than Alethea, who revealed that she's she had feelings for Strabo. It's a little bit unclear whether she was really in love with Ersted all along. Maybe she was, but then, but then was, you know, uh, what, what was made so sad and disappointed by him failing to rescue her that, that, uh, that, that she abandoned him or, um, maybe she was in love with Strabo all along, or maybe there's a Stockholm syndrome, something, uh, situation. There are a few line reads early in that make you wonder if, like, maybe she was into Strabo the entire time and she just resigned herself. Yeah, it's. I think there's a. Uh, that's a fair interpretation. There's. Um. I, I don't know exactly what her feelings were all along, but, but she is definitely upset with Ersted now, and uh, and she dramatically kills herself over Strabo's corpse, and if Ersted wasn't uh 
driven into despair then he definitely is now uh so he just is j- just screams laments his situation and decides well if if uh if I can't be accepted by the people and uh my best friend and my my newlywed wife uh like are, are you know are willing to die rather than than then live with me, then I will be the next Dark Lord. And so Ursid absorbs all of the hate uh, and resentment from uh, Strabo and others. A bunch of dark energy enters him, and he sort of becomes the new Dark Lord or Odio, which might have been the evil force of hate Odio's plan all along. And that's the end of Chapter 8. Hooray! Yeah, it's a very upbeat kind of an ending. So uh, I was just monologuing for quite a while there. Uh, Tom, what was your uh, reaction and impression of Chapter 8 after you finished it? Well, I think the um, it's sort of like the point at which all the chapters come together and you sort of realize the connection to them. Obviously, Odio is the name or is part of the name of every single boss you've fought up to the point. So at this point, you can sort of going into the final, realizing you're sort of going into the final chapter, you can see how they're all going to start to connect with, uh, with um, Orsted's story. Yeah, um, uh, all of the uh, bosses of the previous chapters did have Odeo or, or or Odeo or at least Odie in their names somewhere. I think I think it was dark. I think it was the dinosaur in prehistory was called Odo. Odo. But but it was yeah it was it's a, a similar name connecting all of them. So it's it's not hard to figure out that there is a connection even if you're only one or uh, if even if you're only two or three chapters in. But it looks like that Odeo is some pervasive force of hatred or darkness that connects uh, generations in different time periods. And it, but it's only really explicitly called a dark Lord and a pervasive force rather than a single, uh, rather than just a coincidence in the middle ages chapter. You know, that something's up like in every chapter, once you get the second one, it's like, Oh, this name sounds kind of familiar. The OD something or OD one O or OD one Lee. And, all of these different names. Um, and it's kind of cool to see that all come together because you're waiting. You know, almost certainly know that something's going to explain all of this together. And the way that it's pulled in by giving you access to a playable character and having basically everything go wrong where everyone else was able to overcome despair, he just can't. And it's illustrated in Hash and his life and how he kind of grew disgusted with with the people being... Um, kind of purposefully helpless and always just going to him when they need something and never as a human. And seeing that happen and kind of fast forward to Ersted is actually kind of like heartbreaking in some ways because Ersted seems like a pretty okay person up until he's extremely not. Yeah, it was quite like a, a shocking change of character in a way. Like until that point, he seems quite righteous, you know? Yeah, um, Orsid seems like a normal knight who wants to be a hero and wanted to marry Alethea. Like, like I, I don't think there's anything uh, that was arrogant or or mean about him before. I mean, he's mostly a silent protagonist up until the end. But I, I you, I think you were, you're sort of, you sort of have a positive impression of him, and then just multiple awful things happen at once that would probably drive a number of RPG characters to, to, to despair. Uh, but I, and it feels like it was orchestrated. Um, like, like, I think, I think my feeling was that, uh, Odio wanted Ersted from the beginning because he was the, 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 the strongest one and maybe the one most worth corrupting. 
maybe even amplified the hate in Strabo and Alethea's hearts to to ha- have him cross that line. Or at least that there's not a lot of text that would indicate that, but that was what uh, the subtext I I garnished. There is that little twist of the knife from Strabo where he talks about how like, oh, you've always been greedy. You've always been after the rewards. You've always been. And you don't really get that impression from Orsted, but when you think about it and how most RPG main characters work, there is some degree where you know, maybe there's some truth to that. It's hard to say, but uh, it's kind of a, a, a scathing indictment of the traditional heroic knight role, um, whether it's accurate or not. Uh, and it happens in kind of a way that makes you kind of stop for a second. You're almost taken aback by Strabo's accusations of how horrible Orsted actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's the RPG main character thing of them being good at everything. And I think part of it, part of it might be uh, Strabo. I don't know. I don't know if it comes from a real place necessarily. I, I really felt like Strabo was almost whining. Why can't I ever win? Why is it always you? Um, and I, I deserve something, damn it. Was, uh, which, you know, is somewhat of an entitled attitude, but also like like if if Ersted is more of a of a jerk than than the chapter indicated then i i, I don't know there's, I, there's multiple ways to interpret it but the end result is pretty clear it, it makes me kind of wonder the way that strabo puts um that you know he he did all this for love because he loved althea from the start and I think depending on your interpretation, it changes this because Althea loved him the whole time. And Strabo almost implies that Orsted knows um, <clears throat> that, that Strabo is, is in love with this, this princess. And he talks about hoping just this once Orsted would just step aside and, and let them have what they want. And again, Strabo's not a reliable narrator. You can't really say for sure whether that's true or not, but there is a part of me that can feel for Strabo even though, yeah, the, the tax that he taken have taken lives and have been genuinely un, uh, undef- indefensible. But it is still kind of interesting just to see a little bit of like how he sees it, even if how he sees it isn't necessarily accurate. I, I mean, I, I guess the reason that all of this happens to Ersted so quickly is because of Strabo. And um I mean, I mean, Hash didn't. Uh, Hash had allies when he defeated the Dark Lord twenty years earlier, or whatever, uh, whatever the time period was. But if, if Uranus was more like Strabo, maybe like Hash could have become the new Dark Lord. Uh, it, it's it, like, like you see Ersted, uh, like re- almost reenact the uh, the darkness that that Hash feels, but it, but way way accelerated, which I, I know we uh, mentioned before a little bit. But uh, I, I think if if Strabo was a more steadfast companion, it maybe the Dark Lord's uh, plot wouldn't have worked out. We're meditating on Chapter Eight uh, quite a bit, but uh, th- this setting returns wholesale in Chapter Nine, the final chapter, because generally, uh, well, no, no, not generally. The, the final chapter of Live Alive is the player choosing a main. First of all, for, of these eight characters that you've played the the stories of. You choose one that's going to be your permanent main character that never leaves your party. And then, uh, in most cases, you'll recruit the other six uh, and then and then challenge the Dark Lord version of Ersted as the game's final boss. Or if you chose Ersted as your main character, your uh, the story becomes kill the other seven. 
now I did not go the Ersted route, but uh, Wes, I know you've played this game before. Um, do, do you know how that one goes? Yeah, more or less. Um, they're pretty short. They're pretty condensed. You can knock them out pretty quick, but it's him destroying these heroes, essentially, the heroes that you built up over this time. Um, there are two, technically two endings, depending on a dialogue choice that you make early in when you select Ersted. And the, I believe it's the Armageddon ending, um, where you actually do a reverse boss, boss rush, where you control the bosses from every chapter against those heroes, and you're tasked with changing history and having those evil incarnations of Odio win against the heroes, which is fascinating. Well, that's interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and the other path is just Ersted in his night version uh, killing the other seven? Yeah, it's, essentially it's uh, being the, the big boss and finding those people wanting. You know, he, he kind of has the same kind of setup where he wants um, to test these people and try to figure out why did they persevere um, and then finding out that, oh, it was just circumstance that allowed them to do this. Um, if if they had been put in my shoes, they wouldn't have done any better. I uh, I did not go that route, but when you beat the game, it does give you a clear save data where you can where it goes back to this chapter select moment. Um, so you you can replay the final chapter uh, easily with uh, uh, with either a new main character or the Ersted route uh, right after you finish. And I I, I might yet do that because that, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I might I might go back. It sounds quite interesting, quite unique compared to other games. But but generally speaking, uh, you either pick one of the seven mains and then go to one of two final endings, or you pick Ersted, uh, and in killing the other seven, you also choose between one of two endings. But uh, let's talk about how we built our parties a little bit. Uh, Tom, starting with you, who did you pick as your main character, and how was, like, let's say, the, the early parts of the final chapter? How did they go for you? So I went with um, Ob- Obamaru, the... Uh like the um the ninja and then i t- the uh the three other characters i chose were pogo uh sundance i think that's the name and it was also yoon they were the the ones i went with and then obviously part of your sort of when you say when you sort of, you wake up in the world and you have to uh you, you can't just like ask the characters to join you have to take on sort of the different quests so that there was Pogo's, which is the um, you sort of you find him in the forest, and uh, basically you have to um, visit different sort of points of interest across the map. So I think there's uh, one in is it Hero's Rest where Hash lives, I believe. Well, you're, you're talking about Pogo or Sundance. Pogo's. You have to um, you have to take on that one of the trials. You have to go up to different points of interest on the map. You do. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you go into so it's like the ice cave. Okay. All right. I, I, mine went differently than that because, um, my, all right. Uh, before we continue here, I picked as my main uh, Lei Kugo, the the young woman from the uh, Imperial China, uh, uh, chapter. And when she finds Pogo, he gets all red in the face and embarrassed, and likes her, and immediately joins you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, but I think it's just because Pogo likes the ladies, but um, I, <laughs> I I wasn't yeah. aware I wasn't aware that there was a whole scavenger hunt you had to do for for Pogo. Yeah, mine was actually a bit different there too. I, um, so uh, Wes, who was your uh, main character choice, and how did your Pogo recruitment go? 
So uh, I went with Sundown, um, partially because he's difficult to recruit, partially because he's just a dope ranged character who barely needs to move to hit anything on the screen. And uh, I, I went and recruited Lei Kugo first, which was just a fight with her, pretty simple. Uh, and then Pogo was down south in a forest clearing, and when I talked to him, he got surprised, hid. I just had to go and chase him and talk to him in that same location three times, and then he joined. Uh, and then when I went up to the ice cave, that's where his final dungeon was with his ultimate yeah, weapon and all that. That's what I'm so. thinking of. Sorry. Oh, so. okay. You're yeah. You're thinking of of his character dungeon. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Which is an interesting part of this final chapter. Yeah. Uh, as you recruit each character, each one has a dedicated special dungeon that where they need to be present for you to enter it, and it has their ultimate weapon at the end. So the the arc of it is basically recruiting all the characters, setting up, settling on a party of four. And you can only get the best ending um, if you've recruited all four. I'm sorry, if you've recruited all seven uh, when you decide to go fight Odio. But um, my, remarkably, my party was the same as Tom's, except I had a, except I had Lei Kugo instead of Yun, and Lei Kugo was my main while Tom's was Oboromaru. And uh, that's because I mean, it, it's uh, you have Pogo who's a tank, then you have two very fast attackers in uh, in whoever has the Earth and Heart, whoever the Earth and Heart Shifu is. Uh, plus Oboromaru and Sundown just being an, uh, an amazing ranged attacker. Uh, Wes, what was your final four that you settled on? Uh, so I kept Lekugo the whole time because she's awesome. Um, and she eventually gets an ability that hits the entire screen and takes out a lot of the giant groups of enemies, which made me happy. Yeah, uh, Sacred Dragon's Temper, which yes. I, I she her last four moves that she have the uh, dra- the dragon, tiger, horse, and and uh, de- mount descending peaks fist like. Her last four moves are just absolute world beaters. I yeah. I I love her like level twelve through sixteen moves. Yeah, she she carried a lot of boss fights for me because uh, I actually did end up. Uh, I grabbed those two and then Aborimaru next, and then I rotated out the last um, uh, uh, character to do everyone's character dungeons because I just wanted to see what they were all like and get everyone their their final weapons and whatnot. But eventually I landed on Cube, who I went and got last, because you can't level him up anyways, so why not just grab him at the very end, do his final weapon thing, and let him come be a support bot? Um, yeah, the, um, I my arc went a little differently. Um, I know that Sundown was annoying to recruit, and I actually couldn't find him for a while, so I recruited uh, Sundown last. The three that were in my party basically all the time were Lekugo, uh, Pogo, and Oboromaru. And uh, and that last slot uh, rotated out a lot. Um, I, I recruited Akira very early because he's just very easy to find. He's just sleeping on a bench in the village. Yeah, he's easy like Sunday morning. Yeah, and then I uh, I recruited Akira, did his dungeon, then swapped him out for Masaru, did his dungeon, swapped him out for Cube, did his dungeon, and then finally fi- figured out where I was missing Sundown because I, I found him by the cabin, and then he went. He goes to like the east side of the mountains, but I for some reason I just was searching everywhere besides there. And I, I didn't get sundown until I'd finished all six other dungeons. <laughs> Sundown's a problem too. Cause it's semi randomized where he ends up. So um, you have to go to a few locations and he just might not be at the same one twice in a row. Yeah. I, I just, I, I found him at the beginning uh, without too much difficulty. Like, you know, I was just checking all around the, the mountain area uh, heroes rest, I guess. And I did, encounter him for the very first time there and then he just vanished for four hours and i i and i ended up doing uh his stuff last but he was in my final party my final party like i said before was was uh, Lei kugo pogo oboromaru and sundown 
the only change between us was uh, I had Cube instead of Pogo, and I had Pogo until the very end. And the only uh, change between, between me and the only change between me and and uh, and Tom was uh, he had Yun while I had Lake Hugo. We all kind of came in pretty so pretty we, clustered. We we, yeah. we settled on very similar parties, but I, I think maybe that's. Uh, uh, I mean, you, you hit on Cube a little bit already. Um, Cube has some really, really good moves, especially if you give him equipment from Akira's chapter. But uh, but he his, his HP is super low. He doesn't level up. And, uh, and and if you find a bunch of robot parts, you can update his, his stats, uh, including his HP. But they're a little rare. And, and also all the robot parts I got in Akira's chapter didn't carry over, which oh, I thought no. was strange. Also I, I, with Cube, I think, like, they're so... That you know the battles in his chapter are, are so minimal that I felt I had a better grip of what the other characters' like strengths and weaknesses were. So I wasn't like that comfortable choosing him as a character, sort of going into the final final fight. I I had when I had Cube around, I uh, I had him just use his uh, his like his, for some reason his um uh, his his best moves didn't deal a lot of damage except for the laser that that uh, penetrates defense. So I would have mostly have him as a heal bot, uh, boosting stats and uh, and healing and healing others. While I had you know Lekugo and Oboromaru just absolutely wrecking stuff. Um, again, like like Lekugo with the with the Sacred Dragon's temper and the uh, the the Heavenly Peaks descent, it were just com- just absolute murderers. But yeah, my, that was my rotating spot at the end. Um, uh, does does Yun? Uh, learn all the same moves that Lake Hugo does. From what I like, Heavenly Peaks Descent definitely had that one. I don't know mm. if he learns all the same, but I think they must be very similar. Yeah, there's I think like one or two that are separated out between them because they're. I know that Hong gets uh, a f- something something feast that's an Earth attack that I know I didn't get his lay. Yeah, Dad, you definitely didn't have that yeah leg gets the dragon's temper the roaring tiger and the horses the the heavenly horses trample before heavenly peaks descent but i i I almost want to replay this game and just picking a different one of them because imperial china was my favorite chapter um uh it was the like the the one where i sort of felt the closest to the characters so i i i that's why i chose lake hugo as my main for the uh for the final chapter but like this game has has multiple endings and a bunch of different ways things can go, and it's not that long. I, I think it's almost ripe for the replayability. Like I am very interested in just doing the uh, the Orsted side of the final chapter. Um, like I, I don't know, maybe maybe sooner rather than later. Um, uh, uh, Tom, did you do uh, just a hero version of the of the final chapter, or did you also try Orsted's side? Well, I did just do the uh, the hero chapter, and I'm sure we'll talk about the the proper ending to that. But the first time round, um, at the ending, like you get a choice, and I actually chose the bad option. And um, oh, so, okay, so you so you, so you executed Erstead at the end. Yeah, yeah, and right. it, it's probably the most disappointing ending to a game ever. You basically the fight lasts about three hits, and then you roll credits. It's pretty much it. Okay, well, let's go into the real version of that, because uh, the best ending happens is if you recruit all seven characters, although you're only allowed four at once, uh, and, uh, and, but once you settle on your party, you go uh, to up, up the tower, you need to find uh, Hash's old sword at the hero's rest before you can go into the tower. But you go through it, it's, it's, uh, the maps are, are recycled wholesale from the Middle Ages chapter, although the enemies are very different, and the enemies drop healing items and special items from everyone's chapters. 
and there's a bunch of new equipment of course as well not not just the final weapons in each character dungeon but uh at the end where you encounter Earthstead again you you defeat him in a you know challenging ish boss fight um and then you have the option to kill Earthstead or let him live and to get the best ending you have to let him live walk away then the three party members that weren't with you all uh, uh, catch up to you, and you also all seven characters are are together. Then each of them has to fight a version of their uh, boss fight from each of their individual chapters solo. And after you do those seven battles, um, you fight a new version of Dark Lord Odio, uh, who, who, which is pretty strong. But I was a little bit over leveled, especially with my my main four, so it wasn't that challenging. Uh, and then after you defeat that. Um, your four party members are knocked aside by one of Odio's attacks. Your other three uh, join the battle and uh, and then deal some more damage. And then they're knocked aside by Odio's attacks. Then, I don't know, because of their hero spirit burning through or, or you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the nature of the world bending towards justice, maybe uh, all seven revive. All seven get a chance to attack Odio back to back to back to back. And that frees... Ersted from Odio's control, and er- and Ersted delivers the final blow on Odio. Odio uh, dies, but then, as you know, so as like in his death rattle, he says, uh, "As long as there is hate in the hearts of of humankind, I will return." And uh, you get a a very sweet ending of everyone going back to their time period, uh, other than Ersted, I think. And, and and getting a version of a happy ending, some of which are, you know, just amusing, some of which are hilarious. I'm mostly thinking of Pogo here. Yeah, Pogo with a baby. Yeah, P- P- Pogo has a baby with with, Be- with Beru, and then uh, Gori shows up and says, ha, I, I, let me show you babies. And he, then five gorilla ladies come in, each with a baby, which is, which is a shocking turn of events for Pogo. But, like, it's a, it's, it's a very sweet, uh, sweet ending, um, where where Ersted finally is sort of laid to rest, I, I think. And, uh, but there's a lot leading up to this. Like the individual character dungeons are unique and sometimes pretty interesting. Did you um did you guys uh, read the minds of all the flames in Akira's dungeon? Most of them. Yeah, some of them, but not all. I actually got into Akira's dungeon by fleeing, uh, which turns into teleport. Yeah, um, that happens to me. Yes. And I ended up in Akira's dungeon. That's how you access there. it. Because Akira's is that the teleport... only one? Yeah, I think so. Akira's teleport move, when Akira's in your party, flee is replaced by teleport. And teleport has a 100% chance of working, while flee only works like 80% of the time or something. But if you teleport enough times, you accidentally are transported to the, a dark version of the castle, and Akira can read the minds all the souls floating around there, including Uranus and Elethea and the minister. Most of them are very angry at Erstead, but some of them sort of pity him and ask you to put him to rest. So it's, there's, there's breadcrumbs here uh, about what, what uh, this is all leading to. And I, and I think one other person there gives you a hint of, uh, of, of that, that you need to find Brion, you need to find the sword uh, of Hash to, to enter it. So it's, it's, that that uh, that one has more dialogue and more story than most of the other character dungeons, but each of them is at least somewhat interesting. Um, it took me a while to get to get through cubes <laughs> because the uh, I, I I wanted to see if I could do it without just looking up the solution to the puzzle, uh, but I, I I got there eventually. I think the uh, the longest dungeon for me was Akira's because like like I say we just got 
teleported in and I had no idea where I was. I just spent maybe a good like 20 minutes just running around trying to figure out <laughs> what was going on. For me, the longest one was Aboromaru's because uh, you, at, at certain points you need items called rusty keys to get through doors and an enemy called a shadow, which is a ninja, is the only way to get rusty keys. So at multiple points, I needed a key to go forward. So I just walked in the, uh, walked in a line back and forth until I got into a fight with a shadow so I could get another key. So uh, it, otherwise it wasn't a, a tough dungeon, but it, was just, it just took a while to, to rusty key farm. Yeah, and I do feel they were at least fairly generous with the with like the uh, the spawn rates of the uh, the the particular enemy. The ninja. <sighs> Not for me, they weren't. I, oh, really? <laughs> I was I had some bad luck with uh with shadows. But uh, uh, Wes, did you have a particularly uh, interesting character dungeon or a favorite in the final chapter? I kind of loved Sundowns because it's a it's a kind of a echo of his chapter where. Uh, you have eight bells to set up all your traps and everything. So every time a bell rings, you're running shorter on time. And you kind of have to do that, um, you know, move a little bit more quickly. And in his dungeon, the bells ring. But at the end of eight bells, a much more powerful boss comes and fights you. And you get a really nice armor if you manage to defeat that boss. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, there are, I think, five super bosses in the final dungeon. I only fought two of them. And one of them was the one uh, at the end of Sundowns. But they each give you i think it's called a a, a cosmic peak piece of equipment there's a cosmic helm armor uh gloves boots and ring and uh they're they're very strong uh and i i i when i after i fought one of them i'm like hmm, maybe i can fight the others maybe this this wasn't so bad but then i saw that one of them requires running away from enemies for uh a uh, hundred times and i decided i didn't want to do that <laughs> and i could just beat the game yeah that's fair yeah I didn't do all the super bosses either. I'm there with you. I, I did two of them. I did the one that was in Cube's uh, dungeon and the one that was in Sundown's dungeon, and that's it. I I, I worry that I've accidentally called Sundown Sundance multiple times in this episode. I, I I'm sorry if that ha- if I've done that, but uh, pretty sure I did that earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a great movie. It's uh, and also and Paul Newman and Robert Redford were handsome devils back in the '70s. So yeah, uh, great movie. Anyway, um, back to the final chapter. Uh, Tom, did you have a particularly favorite or interesting character dungeon? Clearly, um, you may not have had a great time in the uh, dungeon with the spawn rates, but I actually really enjoyed um, Obamaru's dungeon. I just like the design, and I quite like the uh, sort of, I guess you could say, like, roguelike fashion. Not, it's maybe the wrong word, but sort of a Metroid, Metroidvania-style dungeon. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, there there was some nonlinearity to it. There's multiple entrances. The all of the different entrances connected eventually, but it was a uh, uh, it, it, it was a good, well designed dungeon. I just had bad luck with the spawn rate of those keys. It made it feel a little bit longer than I think it should have. I think in general, it also it was probably one of the longer the longer dungeons. Like it did it did it was a bit drawn out at some points. I think. Yeah, uh, some of them were on the long side. Uh, um masaru's was really short it's a it's just a straight line the whole way and then after you get hit with with no enemies and then after you get his weapon the uh, uh all the chests that were locked become unlocked and the enemy spawn rate goes from zero to higher than average so you can sprint out of there and not collect any chests or take your time and fight a whole bunch of enemies it's it's uh, all of the dungeons were at least different and interesting the earthen heart master's dungeon is uh you know, it's sort of a martial arts puzzle where you have to, where rocks can only be broken by specific moves, and you fight a very uh, a heavy set 
uh, martial arts master that's sort of chasing you around the dungeon. I, I thought that one was pretty good. I mean, the final chapter has seven pretty good RPG dungeons, uh, seven characters to recruit, or six since you get one automatically, and uh, a lot of treasure and a lot of space to explore. It was, even though the map was re- was returned from chapter eight, um, it, it was a pretty satisfying finale. Like, I had a better time than usual, at, at, w- like, being the final act of a JRPG. Especially since I've played so many JRPGs that seem to end with a whimper or are, uh, are a little bit or limp to a finish, as it were. Yeah, it does. It goes out with a bit of a, a bit of a bang, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think um, especially if you do some of the optional boss fights. I mean, I only did the um, the one in Pogo's Pogo's dungeon, the uh, like the, the the golden fish one. Right. Yeah. The, the, I I found that one, but you need an item from a different dungeon before yeah, he'll, before he'll fight go- you. Golden top knot, I think it was, or something like that. I, I eventually did find that, and I thought about going back to Pogo's dungeon because um, it's it's in one of the other character dungeons. And I thought about going back to Pogo's, but I, d- I decided I just wanted to um, get to the end of the game, um, so I, I I skipped that. And there's one in Cube's dungeon, the one in Pogo's dungeon, the one at the end of Sundown's dungeon, then one that's in the final dungeon, but you have to uh, you have to like find Ersted and then go all the way back to the beginning to fight it. And then another one, you have to run away from a hundred fights to get, to get to that one is, is if my memory from the guide I checked is correct. Yeah, I have definitely didn't have time to run away from a hundred fights. Uh, Wes, did you uh, do any of the super bosses? I know you mentioned sundowns already. Yeah. Sundowns, I think was the only one that I did. Um, I just bypassed the catfish. I figured if I ran into it, I'd, I'd fight it since I had the golden top knot, but didn't end up in my wanderings. And by that point, I'm like, uh, it's like one o'clock in the morning. I should finish this sucker, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, Pogo's dungeon is a bit of a maze as well. So it's yeah. uh, it, it's not necess- you don't you won't necessarily always find it. Um, I, I, I did find it, but decided not to backtrack and go back through his dungeon again. But I, I think that we're all approaching this from a pretty positive angle. I mean, and and uh, again, the en- the final ending was was sort of satisfying and cute. Um, I, I really liked Lake who goes final scene as well, because um, it, it looks like that bandits are entering the old dojo again, that they might attack, but then uh, you, but then you see a bunch of the muscle bandits just sitting in uh, uh, patiently in the dojo and Lake who go leading um, a bunch of children in, in, uh, in a martial arts lesson. So she, she revives or, or Yun or Hong revives the uh, earth and heart um, school, which is, you, you you know that that's you, you love to see it um uh, and uh and i mentioned pogo's really amusing ending scene uh, uh tom or west did either of you have a favorite uh, uh post credit scene or or mid credit scene mine was there was definitely pogo's i think that that ending was quite heartwarming i uh it was cube for me like the the relationship between cube and kato just makes me all teary eyed and happy and I, I did. I wasn't expecting this. This is mostly in Cube's chapter and not the final chapter. But uh, the, when the military guy warms up to Cube and and reveals that he uh, he hates robots, which he calls clanks or clunks, I forget, uh, because he you know lost friends in the robot wars decades earlier. Like for him to warm up to Cube was was a, a sweet moment in 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 that chapter. And for uh, Cube to go up to him and Kato, and you know just be a good little robot boy was, was, was quite nice. I think uh, all their endings are really positive, which is, which is nice. And I don't know if you picked up, but um, when you defeat um, Orsted or 
at the end and there's a there's sort of a, a speech by well at least in my case it was the, it was a Obamaru who I picked and there's a line where it, it says great reward is found in mercy and obviously at that point if you chose that ending you were merciful to Orsted and I think that's sort of a maybe their endings are sort of a representation of uh, great reward found in mercy. I, I wonder if everyone's final speech is different because Lake who goes was pretty unique. He, uh, she even says to Orsted, you remind me of, of what I used to be. Um, uh, I, I always wanted what other people, what other people had and felt like the world was unfair to me. But after I met my Shifu and, uh, and, uh, and discovered my Kung Fu, I, I, I know right now that, uh, like how how i should act and like uh, I, I can't imagine obviously cube or pogo saying that but all but maybe but probably i would also have difficulty uh like having masaru say that it's my guess is the final speech differs between the main characters quite a bit and that makes me like curious about maybe trying to run through it again with a new main character yeah it, i think it must because uh obamaru he says he basically says that he would uh, he used to blindly accept orders and uh he would have basically taken anyone's life without reason. And I think uh, his final quote is, I've written it down, is, uh, we who wield the power of life and death wield not the power to shape the world and its people as we see fit. Yeah, that's that's definitely different from Lake Hugo. Uh, uh, Wes, Sundown was your main character. Uh, what was his final speech like? He didn't have a huge one. Um, I, I didn't write it down enough to quote it specifically because uh, Sundown's kind of this intentionally quiet yeah, yeah he, he he's a taciturn man <laughs> but it was about how you know wielding power for the weak you know the opposite of what kind of what hash's whole philosophy became how you know the weak are 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 leeches is kind of how hash ended up by 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 the end um sundown was more about how um that's kind of the best thing that you can do if you're strong is to help the week yeah uh, again I, I don't have them in front of me necessarily and uh, but those are three different takes that are all at least interesting and now i kind of want to you know run the final chapter again with pogo just to see what nonsense happens in that uh, in that in that final standoff but I, i'm more likely to just run through the final chapter again with ursted as the main character just to see just to see the uh the evil demon lord ending because that that's interesting to me as well. But uh, I, I think that what we all do have in common is that we liked this game a lot. Uh, it, it's an anthology-style RPG, which is unusual. Um, it ha it goes through eight different genres before uh, having them coalesce into a final chapter. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have played Octopath Traveler, but when the final chapter comes together for those eight characters, it's way less interesting and less epic than uh, than what happens um, in in Live Alive, but playing this, I, I really see the live the Live Alive influence in other games. Like like Octopath really does feel like like elements from Saga games and elements from from Live Alive into a modern package. Uh, you can tell. Uh, I, I think we mentioned in the previous episode that Undertale definitely has some Live Alive influence. But th this is a really interesting, cool game um that that I'm sure if I if I had gone through and played all of it. Uh, when I first tried it 15 years ago or so, I, I'm sure I would appreciate it even more if I had played it, if I had played it earlier. This is a special game and um, 
and the remake, at least to me, seems great. Uh, uh, Wes, you've played the Super Famicom original and the remake. Like, do you, do you see any reason to go back to the original version? Honestly, no. Uh, this version is so good. Uh, this is the version you should play. Uh, everything from like the improved visuals to voice acting to how the gameplay works. Um, it loses almost nothing and just gains. And uh, maybe with the exception of ninja movies, because I haven't really seen a lot of <laughs> a lot of those, like every genre that they explore in those uh, first eight chapters is something that I really like, whether it's fighting games or sci-fi horror or uh, traditional fantasy RPGs uh, or uh, or, you know, maybe I'm, I, I don't watch a lot of dinosaur movies either. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not sure I've seen really any besides Jurassic Park, but. Uh, like it, as in like it, it seems like a fun, wacky genre exploration, but then it becomes something more than that. Like I, I was disappointed by the finale of Octopath Traveler and think that game is sort of less than the sum of its parts, while Live Alive is more than the sum of its parts. And I, I was so impressed. Uh, now Tom, you are maybe half the age of Wes or I, <laughs> so so you are coming with a different perspective. But what were what were your overall feelings about uh, Live Alive by the end? I think you you summed up like pretty perfectly. It's just it's I'm really pleased that you know I think um, Square took a chance on this game. I think like it's definitely not a game that's easy to market in some respects, and the fact that they did and you know from what I sort of read around that actually um, making a game in HD two D is a lot more expensive than you'd think. So it's really nice to see them sort of bring back games that really didn't get their chance and bring them to an audience that you know, can appreciate them with a uh, sort of modern day touches and visuals. And uh, I, I think we did mention this in the previous episode, but uh, this is a very early Yoko Shimomura soundtrack. It was the first one that she uh, worked on when she um, changed uh, jobs from working with Capcom to, to Square in 1993 or 1994. And uh, the, the game uses a lot of musical motifs and themes, or I, I should say reuses a couple, but then changes them for the instrumentation or tone of the setting of that particular chapter a lot. And and that's impressive, but also just being really beautiful on its own. Uh, it, it, this was a, a great, great soundtrack. Uh, I, I mean, I, I almost won't accept arguments to the contrary. <laughs> Sorry. Megalomania. That's, yes. like, that's such an awesome theme. It's one of the best boss fight themes I've ever heard. And it's actually... Um, Toby Fox uh, of Undertale fame actually had mentioned how Megalovania was in, uh, impacted by that song, and that's why the name is so similar. Uh, not a coincidence. Uh, Toby Fox just absolutely loved that theme. Yeah, and you know what? Um, this is unrelated to music, but somewhat related to sound. Did you notice in the credits of each chapter that there was a recurring name in the Japanese voice voice roles? No. I did not. Um there's one voice actor who ha- who voices a minor character in Japanese in every chapter. Uh, that's Tomokazu Sugita. He's a very, very successful Japanese voice actor. He's one of the main characters in Persona 5, in Fire Emblem Awakening, in a bunch of anime like Haruhi Suzumiya and, uh, uh, and One Piece and Chobits. He- he's-, he's a very successful popular voice actor. But Live Alive is his favorite video game. So when he heard about a remake, he basically allegedly through his talent agency uh asked asked to be in the game uh however they could so and they were flattered that he um wanted that so they gave him a small role in every chapter he's the restaurant owner in uh the in imperial china 
I think he's the minister in Orsted's chapter. But uh, but yeah, so there's there's one guy, a popular voice actor, Tomokazu Sugita, who's in every chapter in the in the Japanese voice cast, which I was amused by. Yeah, that's really cool. I he's he's also one of the JoJo's in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He's he's he gets around a lot. But but yeah, like this is a a, a a great video game that was maybe a bit of a lost entry in Square's catalog because it, it never released outside Japan and it got a remake that I think that at least I think is worthy of the original and that's about as best as you can hope for uh, because we we've all played good remakes and somewhat dis- disappointing remakes but I mean this is one of the good ones right yeah Absolutely. I mean I think so and I think like like obviously. I don't really have the perspective of the original, but the fact that Wes came out and said, you know, actually, there's no reason to go back to the old one, which isn't always the case with a remake, just shows the quality of it. Yeah, I I think there will always be people who want the history lesson and who are going to yell at me for saying that. But I don't think that there are many people who would um, disagree that your first playthrough, this is the one. This This is the one to play, not just because it's the only legit release we have in the West. I, I'm sure a few Google searches could lead you uh, to the original version in a in a playable form, but I, I don't. I'm not compelled to do that. Like this, this was a great RPG experience. I might replay parts of it now just to see other endings and 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 other dialogues. But uh, I, I'm I'm really happy we played this game for the podcast. That this was uh, like when when it was announced, I immediately sort of put it in line for it to be a retro episode because I, I I knew it was going to be a good fit that way. But um, my expert my excuse me my expectations were met or exceeded at every po- at every point. Um, this is this is a great one, and again, it's not a it's not a sixty hour epic. It's it's twenty five hours and probably faster if you know what you're doing. Unlike me, so uh, yeah, play this game and uh, Earth and Heart Shifu is the best. Uh, and listeners, um, if, if you joined us for these two episodes celebrating Live Alive, uh, thank you. But also thank you, Tom, uh, and thank you, Wes, for joining me on this. It, it was uh, it was a delight talking about this game uh, to both of you. Uh, what, and for this was Wes's second time around, but and the first time around for Tom and I. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're giving this three thumbs up. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so thank you, audience. Thank you, panelists. Let's tell you about the future of Retro Encounter, the near future, like just like Akira's chapter. Um, coming soon next week, we're doing an episode of Secret of Monkey Island, which is kicking off our autumn of adventure, four weeks in a row of a different adventure game each, uh, each day. First, Secret of Monkey Island, then The Wolf Among Us, then Broken Age, and then finally, The Quarry. That is, uh, I believe, four adventure games, each published in a different decade, and with some shared staff in between, but uh, but in general, telling the story of of how adventure games have evolved and were and have been marketed over the years. So that's a I'm really excited to play all of those. I'm in the I'm uh, about halfway done with Secret of Monkey Island, but I I'm going to be playing a lot of adventure games over the next few weeks. Uh, and and after. After the quarry, that is going to be episode fifty, or the quarry is episode three forty nine, and then we have episode three fifty. I'm in the process of preparing that episode, uh, but it, we have something very fun planned, and I'm excited to see how that turns out as well. Um, and listeners, uh, if you're if you have questions for us or comments directed us about Live Alive or episode 350, or adventure games, or anything else, you could, the best way to reach us is to email retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, rpgfan.com has many other ways to interact with, though. 
including the message boards on the main website, our Facebook page, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. They are, we are called RPG Fancom. There's also a Discord server, a YouTube channel, a, tw a Twitch channel, something going on basically every day on the on all of these things so please uh, visit rpg fan or interact with rpg fan however you choose another great way to interact with rpg fan is through our pod other podcasts random encounter every two weeks about randomness and current art uh, events in rpg video games and rhythm encounter every other two weeks uh, about music in rpgs and uh, the most recent uh, slice of RPG fan to explore is the RPG fan shop. You can go to rpgfan.com slash shop and it'll, it will link you to our merch store, which is hosted by tpublic.com. You can pick up shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, uh, phone cases, uh, uh, I believe pins and a number other of uh, a number of other things with RPG fan emblazoned on them with more merch to come at a later date. Uh, and and uh, if you were to review us Retro Encounter or the other uh, RPG fan podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or wherever, uh, we appreciate every comment, especially positive comments that are five stars out of five. But if you want to give our panelists five stars out of five and not, not just as a podcast, how do you reach them? Let me ask them, uh, starting with you, Tom. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Voiceless Tom. Now, Wes. Best place for me is Twitter as well, at Wes Iliff. And for me, let, I'll also share my Twitter account. Uh, I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. So, hmm, let's see. I definitely have some Secret of Monkey Island to play, and I definitely have some near-future tokusatsu-themed things I could be watching or playing. But you know what? I'm just going to live my own life as best as I can. Listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck.